This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. This is a podcast for you if you long for a life that feels spacious, but you're stuck with dishes and laundry and a to-do list a mile long. This is a podcast for you if you long to integrate what you know with who you are and how you live. And this is a podcast for you if you need a gentle invitation into the ways of Jesus right in the middle of your actual life. So I hope you'll join me with authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear how they connect the big things of life into the ordinary habits of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll just get one small step at the end of each episode to take with you into your week. You'll also get to hear my guests' laundry routines, because big things matter. But so does the laundry. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. Reverend Stephanie Lobdell is a pastor and writer. She served as co-lead pastor with her husband, Tommy, for 10 years and is now the campus pastor at Mount Vernon Nazarene University in Ohio. She's the author of Signs of Life, Resurrecting Hope Out of Ordinary Losses, and co-author of Lenten Postcards. Stephanie and Tommy have two children, Josephine and Jack. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation today. It's full of hope, and we need some thoughtful starting places to practice hope right now in our world. Enjoy this conversation. All right, friends, it's really fun to have Stephanie Lobdell on the Finding Holy podcast. So she is joining us, and we are really excited to talk about her new book, Signs of Life, Resurrecting Hope Out of Ordinary Losses. So thanks, Stephanie, for being here. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Thank you. So tell us really why, why does loss lead to resurrection? Like, why is that a message you care about? And because I think right now, right, where the world is, feels still like it's an upheaval. We're recording yeah. in June um, 2020, mm-hmm. but um, we realize that our ordinary losses happen yeah. all the time. But right now it feels, yeah. you know, fever pitch of loss. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it started in the, and I talked about this in the introduction, it started a long time ago in the basement of a church. Um, we were going through this massive conflict with the congregation and it felt so big. I look back at it now and it was so small on the scale of the universe, but man, when you're yeah. a little baby pastor, yeah. you're like, my life is over. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, um, and um, when we were trying to navigate this conflict and it truly felt like everything was beyond repair and our church leader at the time um, for our denomination said, well, the question we have to ask ourselves now is, is the resurrection enough to get us yeah. through to the other side? Of this. And I remember thinking, I don't understand your question yeah. um, or what your statement even means. Yeah. And over the past you know, decade, I've really um, been le- leaning into that and learning about the resurrection and its implications, not just for when Jesus died and was resurrected, but like, what does that mean now? Yeah. And so truly the Jesus being raised from the dead was truly the first fruits. It's God breaking into creation and what God wants to, what God did in Jesus, God wants to do in all of creation. And, mm. and that begins, it's not just a, we're waiting for that to come. 
come. Right. Like it's beginning now. The new creation is is bursting forth in our lives right now, even in the most, and maybe especially most, uh, the most in these unexpected and what seems like ordinary losses. It's not like, and I say this in the book as well, I haven't had some dramatic story. Right. I mean, I've had some scary forays into mental health stuff, but um, it's not like I've had some tragic losses, but these ordinary things along my path that just break you on the inside and saying, God, um, can your new, is your new creation at work? Even in this, can your resurrection power, does it have anything to say to these ordinary everyday losses? Mm. No, I think that's so important because I think either we excuse our, you know, quote unquote, small losses, right? Because they're not huge. Like we, Mm -hmm. you know, as two white women, we have not experienced racial trauma that's currently going on in our nation right now. Right. And so, and so even just like the death of your plans for a season, right. We feel like we can't mourn that because it's It's loss shaming. It's like loss shaming. Yeah. Like, well, I'm going to, I, it's not death. Like someone, some people, it has been death, but you know, I didn't lose a child or I don't have cancer. And so it was just the loss of my plan. So like, I'm going to shame myself out of that. It doesn't work. Right. Right. It doesn't work. Yes. Oh, I know. It always comes out really wonky. (laughs) Yes, it comes out somewhere. So let's address it. (laughs) Right. Yes. So what what have been some of the practices for you that have helped you hold on to those losses, like to not fall into them and like Mm -hmm. get surrounded by them? Yeah. Um, But to also like work through it. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, it has been being honest. And that's, that's really my mantra in a lot of ways. I said that I wrote this book and my, my part of my ministry truly is, um, it was for people who love Jesus very much, but are no longer willing to lie about what hurts. Mm. And I'm just not willing to lie anymore. And so when it comes to these kind of ordinary losses, especially in this recent season, just saying, you know what, this is, this is incredibly hard. I'm going to allow myself to feel that grief and that loss, um, not necessarily stay there forever, right. but to just say it out loud and acknowledge it. Um, yeah. cause you're not going to shame yourself out of it. You're not going to ignore your way out of it. So look it in the eye. Yeah, that's a great, and then that's a really great starting point. How do we, how do we find the courage to do that? Yeah. Well, like you said, you said it well. If you don't, it comes out wonky. Yeah. So um, it comes out in anger. It comes right. out in cynicism. It comes out in bitterness. It comes yeah. out in hypersensitivity or irritability. It's going to come out somewhere. So yeah. um, what do we have to lose with being honest? Truly, mm-hmm. only only through honesty are we going to find any measure of health. Mm-hmm. So. That's yeah. Where I'm at. Yeah. I love it. That's so true. Um, because we choose like we choose lying, right, to cover up something, mm-hmm. you know, to cover up the pain yeah. or to cover up hurt. And I think sometimes I don't necessarily think we just I'm gonna lie about this today. I think right. there are some yeah. there are some subconscious things like I'm going to I'm gonna paper over this with some I said with some scripture calligraphy. Like yeah. I'm gonna paste it. Right. Just yeah. have faith. Yeah. Um I'm I'm so tired of that. Like I just right. don't have time for that anymore. No. And so um bringing those real those real losses before, you know, our resurrected Christ. That's yes. that's my way forward. Yes, yes. I love that. Um I really enjoyed your book. You got a good you got a good voice, so it was fun to read. Um, and I enjoyed your stories and, um, you know, you, you kind of imaginatively engage scripture and rewrite some yeah. of those stories, which I love to do too. I feel like that has been a really great spiritual discipline, but what's yeah. one of your favorite kind of scriptural stories that you kind of gave to your readers in your book? Yeah. Hmm. 
I really love the story of Jacob. It's in mm-hmm. the very last chapter. Mm-hmm. And so it's the death of image about me going through a really kind of dramatic um, treatment for my mental health, uh, mm-hmm. for um, de- depression, anxiety stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I received this treatment and it just, it stripped away. It stripped yeah. away any facade. I could no longer pretend like this is just an interesting fact right. about my life. Yeah. Right. Oh, this is legit. And I have to deal with this in some right. Rearrange my life. Um, and I love the story of Jacob and how he's just constantly seeking after this image and this prestige and this wealth and all of these things and is just such a liar in all the ways, right? right? right, right he's right. just such a liar. And so I say in the story about his name changes that God changes him from being deceiver to being, you know, the one who wrestles with God and God changing that identity, not changing who he is, but changing his orientation in a way that is really meaningful. And so for me, I needed to be, and this is a continual process. It's not like I wrote this book, thus this is no longer an issue in my life. I have solved this conundrum, Um, but rather like reorienting one's identity away from this image that we project um, into mm. who God truly says that I am the beloved child of God. Yeah. Um, and that is going, I think going to be my lifelong. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there you like, have it. Right. Yes. I hear you. <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. Um, so what would you recommend maybe for our listeners about like, how do we, you know, begin, you know, if, if we say, yeah, yes, I want to like live into the story of what it means to be beloved mm-hmm. of God. And, um, you know, we see scoundrels right all over scripture um, yes. that are just like us. And so, mm-hmm. you know, how do we, how do we connect the dots between what we read um, yeah. and how we live? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it was Henry Nouwen that I referred to in that chapter that mm-hmm. talks about, you know, I am what other, the lies that we believe, you know, yeah. I am, I am what I have. I am what people say about me and I am, oh, I can't remember the third one at the time. Um, but it's, I think it's identifying um, some of the, some of the lies that I am believing about myself. Yeah. Like yeah. if you are absolutely undone by like, feeling stupid right. in a meeting or like yep. someone talks down to you or whatever. And that evokes something visceral in you. Mm-hmm. Um, like sit with that, sit with that emotion for a minute and say, okay, why am I responding so strongly to someone, yeah. you know, speaking to me that way? Or why am I responding so strongly to, um, to my friend who just got a new, whatever, you know, right. like just right. allowing yourself to feel those things and say, let's explore the why beneath yep. that. Yep. And what is God saying? What is the spirit saying to me through these really uncomfortable emotions? Yeah. Um, and that's hard because some of us have more access to to those emotions than others. So, right. you know, maybe you're, you're jealous or maybe you're resentful or maybe you felt humiliated or shamed. Um, for some of us that really just is expressed in anger, right. just a generic rage. <laughs> and so, I mean, I can't relate to that at all. Um, and it takes a minute to sink below the surface of that into what's really kind of stirring. And I say this to myself all the time. And I say it to my students, um, in the university where I work that God doesn't stir these things up in us and God doesn't allow these things to kind of be roiled within us unless the spirit's leading us toward healing. Mm, It's not just like mm, this mm -hmm. divine game, but rather the saying, I want you to see like this wound in you. So I can, these negative, these sinful often coping mechanisms that you're dealing trying to cope with that and bring you to the other side toward healing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is really what you're talking about throughout the book too, right? Is that there's hope and resurrection on the other side of our loss. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So tell us, yeah. How does the resurrection matter? to our, to our losses? What is it, you know, um, how do we not get stuck in like this pie in the sky? Like, yeah, Jesus is going to redeem everything. And, you know, yeah, I think that's a really relevant question for right now in particular with the, um, just the racial, 
the racial things that are boiling to the surface um, that have been there for so long, but are just exploded among us. And the question is saying, where, where is God in the midst of that? Um, Where is God at work um, as he's unveiling, you know, our, and more and again, uh, over and over again, you know, the original sin of America. Um, Where is God, um, where is God in the midst of that? And where is God's resurrection work? Well, I look at pictures of people sweeping up glass and I think, man, there's God restoring. I see, Mm. I see my white sisters and brothers, um, not even just standing in solidarity, but standing behind and saying, pushing other like people of color and black people to the fore and says, I actually have nothing to say, listen to my sister and surrendering their voice for another. Like that's the resurrection saying, Mm. I'm going to surrender myself. I'm going to like give my voice to this other. That's the resurrection. That's God's new creation breaking in saying there was something broken here and through the power of God and what he has done in the person of Christ, like God is doing now through God's people. And so when I see those, those signs of life, I see, you know, God's resurrection power is at work there. And sometimes we see the fruition of that, like entirely on this side of creation, right? right? We see relationships restored. We see healing brought about. We see whatever, but some things we really only see the signs. We yeah. see, we see elements mm-hmm. and we see, we see shadows of it, right. but only when Christ reigns in his fullness. And you know what I tell my, my kiddos, I say, you know, when Jesus heals the world, when Jesus heals the world and um, only when Christ reigns fully and heals this broken creation and restores us, mm-hmm. will we see some of those things fully, but that doesn't right. mean there aren't signs. Yeah. Right. And so to be better at paying attention to those signs. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for that holy attention. Yes. Yes. What kind of practices do you do, you know, as a family or with your kids or in, Mm -hmm. you know, in your neighborhood to pay attention? Yeah. Well, that's something that's that's part of the language that I use with my kids. I don't talk about going to heaven one day. I talk about, I talk about, you know, death is a part of, of life right now. And like, we've just lost two grandparents recently. We lost mm. one of our, a beloved pet and some things like that. And so I would tell them, you know, she is there, they're gone. They they have died. Um, but, but Christ will heal the world. And mm-hmm. that's a language they understand yeah, and not yeah. like God's going to blow this joint up. And we're going to get slurped <laughs> up to heaven, like the right. divine Hoover, yeah. but rather, um, <laughs> But rather, um, he's going to return and he's going to reign fully. And we are going to live in the light of that. And we are going to work together to restore creation. Like we are going to be a part of that. We are a part of that now. And so I took my daughter. It was my very first time having the opportunity to go to a protest. And um, we had one in our town. It's a small town. But I brought my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, I said, Jojo, um, this is, this is what it means to show up. This is what it means to be the people of God is to mm-hmm. say that God loves all of us and God especially pays attention to those who are wounded. And it's up to us, those of us who have power and yeah. safety to show up for that. And yeah. she's seven. So right. she's like, okay, mom, <laughs> right, yeah. she's, she's going to remember that moment. And I just pray, um, that the seeds that we plant now mm. will, will blossom into, into people who are, my children will grow into people who see the signs of life and not only see them, but till them and tend mm. to them and say, let's just take this this sign and let's turn it into a full-blown garden as we mm-hmm. partner with God in God's restorative work. Amen. Friends, we will be right back in just a minute with the rest of our conversation. I wanted to let you know about a great deal for listeners of the Finding Holy podcast. I am partnering with 
Faithful Counseling. If you're looking for a biblically-based and licensed counselor to help walk through your own seasons of loss or suffering, anxiety, or just stuff that's been brought to the surface through this COVID-19 pandemic, they will be such a good fit for you. All you have to do is hop on over to getfaithful.com slash findingholy. That's getfaithful.com slash findingholy to get a discount on your first session. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. And here's the rest of my conversation with Stephanie about her book, Signs of Life. I tell my students, we, we, we work for peace and we wait in hope. Yeah. There's this tension, and that's kind of an Advent tension yep. Yep. of this. We work for peace while we're here. Like, we yep. are not free to surrender this work. However, uh, we also wait in hope, recognizing that we are not the ultimate agents of transformation and change. Um, but we are certainly agents of that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What other, um, yeah, what other things do you do? Like, a, a, give me a day in the life, you know, that helps us hold on to hope. Because I think we often just have this huge disconnect between, you know, feeling our losses um, and either stuffing them or ignoring them or shaming them or not, you know, not choosing to enter them or, you know, or we wallow in them, you know, at the same time, you know, we want to hold our losses and our joys intention. We want to hold our loss and our our hope intention. So what does that look like for you just on an average day? I mean, there's not a protest every day, you know, so yeah, what do we, what do we do to hold on to hope and not get, you know, sucked into the loss? Yeah. Um, there's a couple things. One thing that I do on a regular basis is, um, I do, I do a section of, of writing every morning and not just like not writing for publication, right. but writing for myself, writing yep. like journaling as you right. would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just reflecting on what's going on in my life, what's going yep. on in the world and trying to pay attention to what God is doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes when I find myself just spiraling into despair, right. Yeah. Um, I, I do the, you know, the good old fashioned gratitude list right. yep. um, of what are, where are the ways where I've seen God, I've seen God work. Yep. I see God work now. Um, um, that I can express gratitude for and yeah. look for those things. Um, paying attention to other people, not just mm-hmm. myself, is also yeah. really helpful. Yeah. And yeah. not to do the whole comparison, right. shame shame yeah. thing, um, but to truly find ways that I can give yeah. um, to my circle of friends that are really precious to me or to my area of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I pour myself out yeah. Um, yeah. and refocus and kind of recenter on the person yeah. of Jesus and and what he's called me to be and do? Um, I also I don't do this as often now since I moved from Idaho to Ohio, but I recently actually just 
the other day zoomed yeah. with my um, spiritual director, yeah, which is yeah. just a spiritual guide to someone who yeah. helps you pay attention to what God is doing in you. Um, and for me, sometimes I need that. Yeah. Um, I need someone to help me have eyes to see because my vision is just so cloudy. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think those are great starting points. And I, yeah, I hope our listeners will take one of those and try them out because um, I think really we, we do want to help connect um, the dots, right, between all these things we say we believe that, yes, Jesus is king, and yes, he's the resurrected Savior, um, but we don't know how to, like, do that in our, in our, yeah. in our days, so that's absolutely, a, yeah, that's a wonderful starting mm-hmm. place for us. What have you seen the fruits of your, of your losses, um, you know, as you've reflected mm. on, you know, mental health issues, we've talked a little bit yeah. about, you know, issues of race in our country, um, you know, your own personal losses of being wounded by the church that you love. Um, Where have you seen the resurrection power kind of in, in your own soul or yeah, you know, in your ministry or Mm -hmm. what, what kind of tangible markers might you point to? An area I think where God is always continually dismantling and re, you know, rebuilding in my life. Um, things that have you think have have died, but you right. know they're still kicking. Right. You got yeah, you know, yeah. all the way. Um, for me, <laughs> that is often a pride, which yeah. sometimes pride has two expressions. It's thinking myself um, as way too awesome, right. or thinking of myself as way too, you know, broken. Yeah. Um, it's this fixation on self, whether right. it's positive or negative. Yeah. Mine can swing either way, right? <laughs> and so, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I got I'm that like, one too. I'm the bomb, right? And then other yeah. days I'm like, I'm the worst. Yeah. I'm the actual worst. Right. And so um, I think the Lord has, has continually been dismantling that, you know, like with the, this church that I was at, that was just very difficult and we experienced a lot of pain and betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this, I think I had a sense of pride. Like I know what we know what we're doing. Right. Like yeah. we're new, but we have this education and we have, we're so right. excited and we have this energy and we're young. And, and at some point you cannot manipulate, you cannot, you cannot hustle. I say this in the book, you cannot hustle your way yeah. to wholeness. You cannot hustle your way to resurrection. Yeah. And but I mean, I sure gave it a run for its money though. Right? <laughs> yeah. It was like, I know. I'm to put in a full effort here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the Lord has, has humbled me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And you know, with my mental health journey and recognizing I can't fix my way out of this, I can't yeah. change my diet enough to right. heal my brain right. or, you know, whatever right. I was eating, like Googling it. I'm like, I'm eating walnuts every day. Why am I still sad? And breaking down those, those images and that self-reliance. And I think for me, it has cultivated a deep empathy, mm. um, which is sometimes costly yeah. um, in that. And I have to learn to manage that as I, as I continue yeah. to grow. So I'm not overcome by that right. as I experience other people's hurt. Um, but has made me more empathetic and far less quick to judge or to say, well, what's your problem? Right. But rather, okay, let's pay attention to what yeah. God's doing in you. And man, mm-hmm. first of all, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you are in such pain and lamenting with, I mm-hmm. now feel like I have this permission mm-hmm. to lament with someone um, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I jump to helping them fix it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. And I want you to talk to you a little bit about church hurt. Um, as yeah. someone, Yeah. I guess, you know, everyone in a church, because there are people in the church, will be hurt. Um, but yeah. how do you stick with it? As a, yeah, as a fellow yeah. person in ministry, yeah. I, there's a lot of pain, you know? There and so is. Some, sometimes, you know, when you're tightly tethered to the local church, it's beautiful. Yeah. And sometimes you're just like, I want to chew through these ropes. So Yes. Oh, I get yeah. that. Uh, something I said to someone the other day, and I said, I used to measure pastors, I think, 
primarily through their competencies and, you know, um, what they're really good at. But now I measure a pastor through their faithfulness. They've come through the fire and they still love Jesus in the church um, because it is costly, you know? And so I'm like, you stuck it out. You still love Jesus. You're not a bitter old person. Uh, I'm on your team, right? I want to be on your team so we can do this together. So um, I'm not going to lie. Church hurt is a real thing and it's easy. And I have a lot of disillusioned, frustrated people um, in my own life, pastors who have, you know, found other ways to minister or have just, you know, they just bleed from church to church um, and just leave a trail behind them. Um, I think for me, some of my saving grace was having um, people along the way that invested in me deeply. Um, We have our, we are called districts broken up into districts, clusters Mm -hmm. of kind of churches. And we have a superintendent oversees that those areas. And so I had a couple of superintendents, district superintendents that just invested in me and said, you know, I believe you and I love you and mm-hmm. um, normalized, normalized the pain. Mm-hmm. Cause I think you, in mm-hmm. those moments, you're just like, something is distinctly and uniquely wrong with me. And so to have that normalized, not in this, like, you're right. Every church is terrible. Not right. like that, right? but rather to say, you know, Yes, this is a sign of, this is an indication of brokenness, sin and death at work, run amok among us, right? Um, And yet we cling to Jesus in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. um, And we continue to work and to be faithful. Um, But I'm not, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But at some point we have to learn those disciplines of unhitching our emotional cart and our um, self-worth cart from the horse, the raging bronco that is is the church. And that again is a lifelong discipline of continuing to root yourself in your identity, um, in your identity as a child of God, um, and not just what you, your success and what you've produced right. and, you know, right. what's happening and the momentum yep. and right. all those unique measures, um, of church mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's constantly having to say, okay, what is the measure here? Like, yeah. what am I measuring? Yeah. Um, and continually surrounding myself with people who are, um, who are speaking into my life words of truth, yeah. um, but also words of life. Yeah. Yeah. That's so encouraging. Do you have any like stories of seeing kind of God work in some of those areas of hurt um, in communities? Well, in the, in the church that we left, um, there was in in Missouri, that kind of that first church we were at, we were there for almost six years. And uh, after I left, um, it even took, sometimes it took years actually. Um, And within a few months and within a couple of years, several people reached out to us and just said, you know, we were wrong. Um, we hurt you and I just want to ask you to forgive us mm. and forgive, yeah. forgive me for the part I played in that. Mm. Um, and so many of them were not the aggressors. Many of them were just, right. you know, the, the complicity of silence right. Right. Um, or passivity. Right. Um, but several of them reached out and asked uh, for forgiveness. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really, I think that was God's redemptive work right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a piece of God doing something in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had sense, you know, I didn't have any, um, bitterness in my heart towards that person. And yet for them, that was the work that they needed to do. And that was what yeah. God asked of them. Uh-huh. And so I was glad that I could be a part of that healing for them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a lifelong journey, right? Of reconciliation, of yeah. you know, reorienting our identities, um, mm-hmm. but through lots of very small things. What do you think loss can teach us um, in a way oh, that yeah. success and, you know, yeah. this hustle culture Oh my word! Don't get me started on that. Um, one thing <laughs> that'll with, be another um, podcast. Be oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. One quote that um, 
has been very meaningful to me it comes from C.S. Lewis. And I actually don't even know what, which book this comes from, but he says that which has not died cannot be raised to new life. Mm-hmm. And um, I look at the things in my life that have died and are dying now, the things that I'm yeah. experiencing now yeah. that have been really painful. Um, God's kind of going through, I'm going through kind of a refining process even now in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate it. And I, every single time I go through it again, I'm like, this is terrible. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've been abandoned. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm reminded, even in our conversation today and through people that I love, that only through the death of these idolatries and these, um, you know, these wounds and just laying them before God, yeah. can they truly be offered up for healing? Yeah. So the tighter I cling to them and the yeah. more unwilling I am to be honest um, before God and before those that I love, I'm not some like inappropriate vulnerability. Hey, right. I don't know yeah. you, but right. I'm right. all my stuff. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> the safe people and appropriate people. Yeah. Um, only when I, I surrender those things and I, I name those things and people name them in my life and say, yeah. Hey, this I might be what God is doing in you. Yeah. Um, it allows me to have hope, mm-hmm. hope that, mm-hmm. that, um, death is not final. And these mm-hmm. losses that I'm experiencing, God is going to raise to not just revive. God is going to yeah. resurrect, do something mm-hmm. altogether new. Mm-hmm. I love that. If we just cling to success or anxious, we're going to lose it. You know, we, yeah. When it fails, we feel like a failure. It's not a secure place to land. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I loved your book. It's, yeah, thank it's you. great. It's a, it's a fun book to read and it's a quick read. So I definitely commend it to you listeners. Um, but tell us as we conclude, Stephanie, what is your laundry oh. routine? <laughs> yes, I've been reflecting on that. And this is so... Um, simple and uh, a little silly, but by the time my son runs out of underwear, I know right. it's time to do it, right? Okay. Oh, it's, lo- it's laundry yeah. time. Yep. And then at that point, I'm running loads in between other parts of my life. And so my yep. goal is just to get it in the dryer before it smells weird. Right, right. Right. So that's about it. That's about all I got. Right. right. That's fine. You know? Yeah. I think it's just like, some of these, like even our spiritual disciplines, right? It's just like slotted in, you know? And, yes. And so yes, our souls, is. our souls don't smell weird, right? <laughs> but there's a yeah. sense of like, um, yeah. of trying to say, how can I do this strategically in a way right. that works? I mean, I don't have a day where I can set it all right. aside and nor do I want to do that. But I right. think there's ways to, to, in the nooks and crannies of my life, yes. tend to that thing. Yes. With attention, right? Yes. Right. Yes. At least it's for the smells. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Friends, be sure to pick up her book, Signs of Life, Resurrecting Hope Out of Ordinary Losses. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Stephanie Lovedale. You can find the links to connect with her, her website, and her book, Signs of Life, all in the show notes if you click on over. And I want to leave you, friends, with one small step as we consider how do we hold on to hope in the midst of such turmoil, whether that's relational turmoil, whether that's kind of this inner angst that we're experiencing, the rage on Facebook, or our actual outside neighborly lives. And it's this. I want you to maybe for just two or three days this week, practice holding together your losses, your ordinary losses, like Stephanie talks about, with your ordinary gratitude. And I want you to write it down. Maybe it's a receipt in the bottom of your purse or some post-it notes, something you can put around your house and see, or maybe it's in a paper planner. But I think the act of actually physically writing with our hands reminds us of our bodyliness. It reminds us of our creatureliness. It reminds us to bring our limits to God. So write it down with pen and paper. 
Every day, maybe you take two minutes and you write down, these are my losses of my day. And then correspondingly, these are my joys of my day. I found that this practice, I especially have done it during Holy Week this year, during the pandemic when everything was shut down and we felt the weight of our loss most prominently right at the beginning of this COVID-19 pandemic to be a really helpful process to move through loss. It's easy to stuff loss. It's easy to ignore loss. It's easy to take our rage out on other people. But this is a way through. It's a way through to resurrection. Tell me how it goes. I'd be honored if you tag me on social media at AA Hales and let me know how it goes. Again, friends, I want to remind you, I would love it if you could just take one minute out of your day to click the link in the show notes too and fill out a quick survey. It helps us here at the Finding Holy Podcast, as well as the network of podcasts with Christianity Today, with which I'm associated, to know how to better serve our listeners. So would you take just a second, give us your feedback. We'd love to provide thoughtful content for you to help connect the dots between things that really matter and your everyday holy life. So thanks for doing that, friends. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you next week on the Finding Holy Podcast as we talk more about emotional health during the pandemic. Remember, friends, big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys, you know? A pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know?